Christian Medical and Dental Associations hope you enjoy today's chapel message. There was a young nurse. I'm going to take you into the operating room this morning. She was a suture nurse, or the assistant that handled all the instruments and uh, gave the suture and, and things to the doctor. She's fresh out of school, and she was there on her first day of work in the operating room with the chief of surgery at the medical school. Uh, usually not a pleasant experience for people that aren't having much experience they finished the abdominal case, and the doctor turned to her and said, uh, okay, we're going to close. What's the count on the sponges? And she said, 11, but we use 12. And he said, I removed them all. We'll close the incision now. And the nurse objected. She said, no, doctor, we use 12 sponges. And he said, I'll take full responsibility. I'm in charge. Give me the suture. And she blazed back at him and said, I, I can't do that. What about the patient? And then the surgeon lifted his foot. Underneath was a sponge. And he said, you'll do. It took some courage, didn't it? And that's what he was trying to find out. Because if she hadn't done that, that operating room wouldn't be safe. Her job was to make sure nothing was left inside. She wasn't afraid. What are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? What do you fear? I, I want to turn this morning over to Numbers. I'm going to read uh, from the message. You probably shouldn't go for your Bible. And uh, it's a familiar story of the ten, ten Israelites scalding into Israel after they've crossed through the desert. And here's how it reads. We went to the land to which you sent us, they said. And oh, it does flow with milk and honey. Just look at this fruit. The only thing is that people who live there are fierce. Their cities are huge. They're well fortified. Worse yet, we saw descendants of the giant Anak. Amalekites are spread out in the Negev. Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites hold the hill country. And the Canaanites are established on the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan. Caleb interrupted and called for silence before Moses and said, Let's go up and take the land now. We can do it. But the others said, We can't attack those people. They're way stronger than we are. And they spread scary rumors among the people of Israel. And you know the rest of the story. They turned around in near rebellion, if you could call it rebellion, against God and what he wanted them to do. And ended up spending 40 years in the wilderness. Sometimes you and I are like those Israelites, especially in this day and time. Because we see the giants we see the fortified cities. We see those that seem to be holding the high ground. Things happening that we're concerned about. We see giants in government. We are doing that right now with uh, the suit uh, over the abortion uh, drug. Uh, 
And sometimes people are just too afraid of what's happening with taxes, what's happening with regulations, what's happening with uh, people punished for not agreeing with uh, very liberal ideas, systemic racism, and uh, all kinds of things that we face today that if you don't agree with them, you're labeled a racist, and people back down. You know people who may have done that. We see giants in our schools. We hear about it in the news every day about teaching young children about sex education at age six and seven inappropriately. Transgenders coming in and doing plays and things for kids that are very young, trying to influence them into their belief system. Giants in our relationships, friends and relatives who don't know Christ and we're afraid to say much to them. Maybe we've been treated harshly or had unkind words said to us, but we're afraid to tell them. Or maybe it's a marriage problem or a relationship problem that you're afraid to deal with. That person won't respond well, you're afraid. You know you should do it, but you're afraid. Maybe it's work-life balance. Boy, I've been there on that one. <laughs> Not spending enough time with your family. You hear people say, oh, I, I've got to do it. I've got to do that second job. I need the money or whatever. And things get out of balance. It's not they really need the money. They just want the money for things to make their life more enjoyable. Maybe giants in obeying God's will. One of my good friends who's been our supporter for years since we went overseas was a year ahead of me in residency. And I remember one night we were talking in the house staff quarters and he said, I know God's called me overseas, but it'd kill my mother if he took her grandkids overseas. A giant in obeying God's will. Or maybe some volunteering you need to be done. Uh, churches, and somebody asks you in your church, would you work with the children or the youth or in some other role or be part of the elders or whatever, and you're afraid you couldn't do a good job or it's going to take too much time or... Maybe it's giants in our giving. I thought about this at the end of the year. I mean, this has been a bad year for, for investments and inflation and money's not going as far and you sit down to write those year-end checks or the check you write every week to support your church and you're thinking, can I really do this? It, it, it may be too risky considering the financial situation. In any of those areas, we can be in the desert instead of the promised land afraid of something, and I didn't name everything, because fear can come from a lot, a lot of issues. Dealing with our children that have gone astray, and afraid what's going to happen. So maybe it's time to get out of the desert. Now let me read over in Deuteronomy 31, 1 through 8. This is a long passage, but listen, it's also in the message. Moses went on and addressed these words to all Israel. He said, I'm 120 years old today. I can't get about as I used to. That must have been an understatement. And God told me, you're not going to cross the Jordan River. God, your God, will cross the river ahead of you and destroy the nations in your path so that you may dispose of them. And Joshua will cross the river before you as God said he would. And God will give the nations the same treatment he gave the kings of the Amorites and Sion and Og and their land. I'll destroy them. God will hand the nations over to you and you'll treat them exactly as I have commanded you. Be strong. Take courage. Don't be intimidated. 
Don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. And then Moses summoned Joshua and he said to him, with all Israel watching, be strong, take courage. You will enter the land with this people, this land that God promised their ancestor that he had given them. You will make them the proud possessors of it. God is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. Don't be intimidated. Don't worry. Talk about a pep talk. Wow. Wow. In the dictionary, you know how they define courage? The ability to face danger, difficulty, uncertainty, or pain without being overcome for fear, by fear, or be deflected from the chosen course of action. I like Mark Twain's definition. It's a little shorter. Courage is mastery of fear, not absence of fear. But my favorite is John Wayne. You like all those old John Wayne movies? He said, courage is being scared to death and still saddling up. That kind of summarizes anyway. John F. Kennedy, in his book, Profiles and Courage, that's after some of you were born, before some of you were born, but I remember it, in the 60s, he said, in whatever arena of life one may meet the challenge of courage, whatever may be the sacrifices he faces if he follows his conscience, the loss of his friends, his fortune, his contentment, even the esteem of his fellow men, each man must decide for himself the course he will follow. The stories of past courage can define that ingredient. They can teach, they can offer hope, they can provide inspiration, but they cannot supply courage itself. Courage is not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's found in a relationship with God. And let's talk about that. What are the sources of courage? And this passages that we've read really delineate this for us. Verse 1, Moses says what? God told me. God told me. His word says to defend the weak and feed the poor and evangelize the lost and deal with personal conflicts over in Matthew 18. And uh, that means we need to do it with our fellow believers if we get in a situation with them. The Holy Spirit may prompt you not just God's word, but the Holy Spirit speaking to you to, to go, to do, to invest, to give, to spend time with. You feel a prompting. You feel an urge. I was getting ready to preach over at uh, Jessica's church on Sunday morning. I had worked on a sermon, had it all ready to go. God woke me up at 4 a.m. in the morning, and all of a sudden, I knew I should do something different. He just put another message in my mind. And I want you to preach this. God can prompt you uh, and help you deal with fear. Remembering his word and his promises really can help you do that. I remember, I think I've told the story, some of you old timers have heard it, maybe some of you new timers have never remember when you tell a story, but one of the battles for us when we were going to Africa was sending our kids off to boarding school when I was in residency. And uh, at age seven, living six hours away, and we just wrestled with God over that. And, um, and then God just reminded us, I called you, and I called your children, just as much as I called you, 
and I've got this all worked out, and you don't need to be worrying about it. And the interesting thing is the biggest issue for our kids when we came home, they didn't go till they were in junior high because we homeschooled and had a one-room schoolhouse and things we started, but that they couldn't go to Rift Valley Academy anymore. That was the biggest issue when we came home. It's just God has a sense of humor. Jeremiah 7.23 says, Live the way I tell you. Do what I command so the rest of your lives will go well. It's not risk for risk's sake. I remember when I was working in Somalia, we met some of the other people doing relief, and there's a big group from Doctors Without Borders, and we invited some of them over to have meals with us on Saturday, which in a Muslim area, that's the, the sacred day. And we would invite people from the military or other relief organizations to be with us, an opportunity to make friends, an opportunity to be a witness. And I remember one nurse, and she came in, and I said, well, how, how did you get over here? Well... I used to work in Washington, D.C., you know, work in emergency and uh, running an ambulance and, and uh, you know, going out as an EMT. And yeah, it was great. I, I got a thrill out of that for a while. But after a while, it just didn't, you know, rattle my chain anymore. So I went out to Colorado and worked in forest fires, you know, and, and uh, jumped with them in in case people got hurt, you know, do those jumps in in the middle of the forest fire. Wow, that was a thrill. But I kind of lost it, so I'm over here now. Just risk for risk's sake. That's not what God's talking about. He's talking about a confidence in what Christ said for me or you to do. Second source of courage. It's found in verse 6. Don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. God is with us. That should take care of the problem of worry, not just courage. God is with us. Um, I'm amazed how Jody handled and Gay handled our days doing relief. Gene and I, back in those days, would just get on a plane and be gone. No phone, no way to get in contact, away from our families, in very dangerous situations. And, and God gave them courage for those moments, despite the risks that we were taking. He gave us courage in situations where we could have been killed, literally. The hardest thing to do is to face fear alone. It's good to share with a prayer partner if you're afraid and have them pray for you. Or there's a bad diagnosis Gene was just sharing with me about that this morning, someone that had a bad diagnosis and terminal diagnosis just in the last few days. I think that that is when we have to depend on God even more, or in situations are risky. I've told the story before when we had our team held hostage in, um, in Somalia. And before that, we had a situation where another tribal group came in with AK-47s, RPGs, started shooting people in a village of 2,500 people. They all fled into the bush. Over 30 people were killed. Our staff jumped into a, a bomb shelter, a ditch with sandbags over it, and uh, got on the radio and called for the UN to send in a plane, not knowing if they were going to be shot or what. And afterwards, I went in to meet with the Sudan People Liberation Army 
head and his team uh, that were the militia in that area. And, and I, I flew in in a small plane. They drove up in a truck and he had a whole bunch of soldiers in the back of it and a machine gun mounted on top. And uh, they all got over and put a chair, two chairs under a tree. And then this, the, the guy got out of the front seat next to the driver, walked over. All the soldiers got on the ground with their AK-47s pointed outward. And I thought, what do they know that I don't know? And I'm sitting there, you know, thinking we're going to be shot at any moment. It was a moment I needed courage to have a conversation about whether we could get our team back in. And God supplied that. Isaiah 41.10 says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous hand. It may not be a life and death situation, but God is with us. It's not our courage isn't nothing, something that we need to psych ourselves up for. It's just resting in God's arms, knowing that he is there. Source of our courage is trust in God, number three. Three times it says, God will, God will, in those passages. Give you the land, prosper you, give you success. God will. He's not only with us, he has given promises of what he's going to do and you lean on those promises psalm 37 5 commit your way to the lord trust in him and he will do this we were at tenwick i was up at the hospital one day jody was in the back of the house like sewing or something and she heard something in the living room and went out to see what it was and there was a man sitting in a chair she didn't know him Normally people came to the door, they would say, Hody, and then you would say, Caraboonie, that mean came on in. We didn't have doorbells, but that's the normal way you entered a hut. Huts didn't have doorbells. And so she thought, well, who is this guy? And so she went up to greet him, Chamagay, put out her hand. You always shook hands with people when you greeted them. He reaches up his hand, and there's a manacle hanging from it, broken. And she's thinking, oh my goodness. People that were mentally off, as they said there, they would tie them up with ropes, or if they could get a chain, they would tie them with a chain. And this guy, obviously, since there was no psychiatric hospitals or places like that, had mental problems, and she's sitting there in the living room with him. She calmly started a conversation. He didn't respond very well. And by the grace of God, about five minutes later, Richard, our house help, walked in. He had been out getting, buying some eggs at the market, and Jody turned to him and said, could you go get the security people from the hospital? And they came down and took care of this fellow. But source of courage, she, had, she said afterwards, I just said, God is with me. And she started quoting scripture to herself as she was sitting there uh, talking to this man. Faith doesn't depend on our feelings. Harry Emerson Fosdick said this, Fear imprisons, faith liberates. Fear paralyzes, faith empowers. Fear disheartens, faith encourages. Fear sickens, and faith gives you strength. We have courage when we are afraid, and 
David in Psalms talks about this. Great illustrations in God's word of courage. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Haddon Robinson, many of you don't know who Haddon Robinson was. He was actually the head of CMDA for about 10 years in the 70s. He was considered one of the best preachers in the United States. He did the dedication of this building when we moved in. He's now passed on to heaven. He said this, what worries you masters you. But that's not where it ends. We can say we have courage, but we don't know where they really do unless we prove it. Joshua 1.10 says this, Prepare, within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in and possess the land which the Lord God has given you to possess. It's not enough to mentally assent to, yes, God, I know I can trust you. The real test is, do you have the courage to act upon it? Um, I think I've told this story, but a little point I want to make with it. When we went to visit Kenya in the late 80s, we were going out to the Maasai area, and we were in a Land Rover. And by chance, we were having a conversation about how few snakes we'd ever seen when we lived in Kenya. And about that time, I look in front of the car. It was rough dirt road and going slowly. And over here comes this blast streak, and it's a big cobra, about eight feet long. And I slam on the brakes. He comes in front of the Land Rover we had borrowed, rears up and his head's over the edge of the front of the Land Rover. And everybody's rolling up the windows because we didn't have air conditioning. We had had those open. But the reason I mention that is there's a great acronym to help us with the issue of courage, and the acronym is COBRA. Courage to, number one, obey. Obey what he has told you to do. Courage to believe. God will do what he said he will do. Courage to rest in his abilities in your relationship. And courage to act, to get moving and do what he told you to do. Admiral Halsey was the commander for the whole Pacific Fleet during World War II. He was a tremendous leader. And uh, I was reading some of his biography just uh, last night. And he said this, all problems become smaller if you don't dodge them but confront them. Touch a thistle timidly, and it pricks you. Grasp it boldly, and its spines crumble. So how do we apply this to our lives? We're going to close with this. We can have courage even against overwhelming odds. Remember Hezekiah? Encouraging his troops in 2 Chronicles 32.7, he says this, Be strong. Take courage. Don't be intimidated by the king of Assyria and his troops. There are more of them, there are more on our side than on their side. And you remember what happened. We can have courage when the job is huge. We've got a problem here at CMDA. Wow. I remember financial issues, other issues, member issues, all kinds of things that can happen. David said to Solomon about building the temple in 1 Chronicles 22, 13, that's what will make you successful, following the directions and doing the things that God commanded Moses for Israel. Courage, take charge, don't be timid, don't hold back. We can have courage when other things go wrong. Isaiah prophesying in Isaiah 35, 4, tell fearful souls, courage, 
take heart. God is here, right here, on his way to put things right and redress all wrongs. He's on his way. He'll save you. Have courage when God wants us to be bold. I remember praying in those situations, doing media and debates on national media and say, Lord, help me to show love and compassion, but at the same time, be bold and say what needs to be said. And then Jesus to Peter in the boat on the stormy seas. I love how the message says this in Matthew 14, 27, 28. But Jesus was quick to comfort him. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid, Peter. Peter suddenly bold said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. We can have courage to do the right thing in a situation, even when it may be difficult. Mark 15, 43, Joseph of Marathia, a highly respected member of the Jewish council, came. He was the one who lived expectantly on the lookout for the kingdom of God, working up his courage, the message says. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. You can have courage in the face of suffering when an unexpected diagnosis comes and uh, with us or someone that we love or in our family. Luke 9, 51, when it came close to the time for his ascension, he gathered up his courage and stilled himself for the journey to Jerusalem. They have courage to witness. Luke 9, 51, when it came close to the time for his ascension, that's the one I just read, we could have courage to witness Paul asking for prayer. And don't forget to pray for me, Ephesians 6, 19. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time telling the mystery to one and all, the message that I, jailbird preacher, I love that, that I am and am responsible for sharing the good news. Courage to stand for righteousness, courage to persist. I think that's a key one. I uh, look back over my life and, and places that God's put me in, and I think that's one of the key things in difficult situations in hard situations, is just to persist. Trust God enough to keep moving forward one step in front of another. And we're going to close with this. It's a great story. It's called No Apology, and I'm just going to tell you a little bit of it and read part of it. But it was back in the days of Henry VIII, and there was a Protestant preacher named Hugh Latimer. And... Uh, Henry VIII, he had the opportunity to speak, and the king was there. And Henry VIII got very upset with the boldness of his sermon and some of the things he said, and ordered Latimer to preach again on the following Sunday and apologize in public to him for what he had said. And the next Sunday, after reading the same text he had read the week before, he began his sermon by saying this. Hugh Latimer, talking about himself, Dost thou not know before whom thou art this day to speak to the high and mighty monarch, the king, most excellent majesty, who can take away thy life if thou offendest? Therefore take heed that thou speakest not a word that may displease. And then he paused and said, But then consider well, Hugh, dost thou not know from whence thou comest, upon whose message thou art sent, even by the great and mighty God who is all present, who beholdeth all the ways and who is able to cast thy soul into hell. Therefore, take care that thou deliverest thy message faithfully. And then he preached the same sermon he had preached the week before that upset the king. 
into the eighth room in prison in the Tower of London. Henry VIII was Catholic. He was Protestant. He languished there until Henry Edward VI was placed on the throne, who let him out. He went on preaching again. But then Queen Mary came. She was a Catholic again. And she imprisoned him and had him burnt at the stake. He was executed at Oxford, burned in public at the stake. The other person that was with him was Nicholas Ridley, another martyr. And he's quoted as saying this to Ridley. Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust will never be put out. And their martyrdom did. I don't know what God's asking you to do. Where you need courage. Maybe it's nothing right now. I guarantee it'll happen. There's always those things in our life where we need courage, where people are leaning on us, looking to us for direction or an action that we need to take that may be difficult. I don't know what candle you need to light, but I pray God will give you the courage to do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is so clear. Help us to apply it to our hearts and minds. Help us to believe. True belief is acting on your promises. Lord, may we each have the strength to do that in these challenging days in our country, in our communities, and for some of us in our families, in our lives, in our work, in our ministry. We come to you and ask for that grace in your son's name. Amen.